What's up, y'all? We're back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, but they've supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial service experience. They can save you hundreds a month and thousands of dollars in interest over the life of a loan. Who doesn't want to save thousands? These guys can help you find out if you're able to reduce, maybe even eliminate your current mortgage insurance premiums. I'm telling you, if you're wondering if the rates are as good as you're hearing, you need to call them. They're absolutely incredible right now. Visit dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, though, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes your short-term and long-term planning goals. You can't just go out there and wing it. Your investments, your tax situations, all the above. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free shirt or hat when you do. Most importantly, get set up with that free consultation. Call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. That's 970-412-2472. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Unfortunately, Colorado State once again did not get to play football this weekend. It was a real kick to the gut, I think, just for everyone. The coaches, the media, the fans, everyone. This season, man, it it was something else. Four of eight games canceled. Absolutely, absolutely insane. I mean, really, well, technically four of 12 games if we consider the non-conference games that CSU was supposed to get and didn't get to play. So they they got in a third of the games that they were supposed to. Only one home game the entire season. <laughs> My goodness. I'll, I'll always remember this season, not particularly fondly, and, and not even because of the product on the field. I think some of that will get you know greatly over-exaggerated. Obviously, the special teams were not good enough. The offense wasn't super sexy, but As I've said repeatedly, I just don't know how much stock you can put into some of this just given how wonky this season was, how little practice they got, how frequently they were disrupted, how many cancellations they were, you know, how few home games they got, how few opportunities they got to go against, you know, winnable teams. They had to play some of the best teams in the league, even down to Wyoming. They weren't great, but that's a rivalry game against a really good team. Other than that, you got San Diego State. Yeah, their offense sucks, but their defense really athletic. Really great running game. One of the best running teams in the country. Fresno State proved to be pretty good this year. And then obviously Boise State is Boise. They're going to win the Mountain West as long as, you know, San Jose State doesn't upset them. It's just one of those years where we really have to keep perspective for every single situation right down, you know, to the very end. Obviously, a lot of frustrating moments. So you kind of got to appreciate the good things. I mean, the defensive line, I've talked about that. I thought the offensive line was much improved. Obviously, what we saw to Dante Wright was really encouraging. I mean, he's a legitimate number one wide receiver, no doubt about that. You know, some of these guys in the secondary, I really like what we've seen out of, you know, people like Quinn Brennan, Henry Blackburn. I just, I think there's a lot of reason to be encouraged. The linebacking core has been tremendous. I'm not sure, you know, how many of those guys on the defensive line they're ultimately going to get back. It would be really nice if they could get a few of them, man. Gosh, like... 
just a couple. I mean, Scott Patchen, if he could come back and do what he did this year again, he would definitely get drafted. I know he's an older guy, so that'll have to be a personal decision. You know, Toby McBride, I'd love to see him come back. I kind of doubt it. I think the McBrides are probably done, but I'd love to see it. You know, he he would have the opportunity if he wanted. Any of them, though, you know, Hubbard, shoot Manny Jones. I imagine Manny will go pro, but we'll see. It, it's going to be intriguing. It, it's really going to be a, a weird situation. But th- there, there were reasons that we should be excited. That's all I'm saying. Try and remember that when you can. If, if you only focus on the negative, it's going to be hard. Because at the end of the day, you know, th- there was a really long period where it looked like we weren't going to get any football at all. And, and we got some. So, you know, I, I'm thankful for that. I really, really am because I, I can't even imagine how hard it would have been to watch the entire college football season come and go with teams playing around the country and, and not even get to watch the Rams once. That, that would have been really heartbreaking. Now I'll say this. Do I do I wish I would have seen, you know, CSU add some games throughout the process? Yeah, that would have been awesome. I've been pretty open that I said, you know, after beating Wyoming, I, I don't see the value in playing them again. I think you risk everything and and gain little. I mean, after all these other games have been canceled, in hindsight, you could say maybe it would have been better than nothing at all. But at that point, you know, you weren't foreseeing Air Force getting canceled. You didn't think you know, UNLV would get canceled. You didn't think all of these games would not happen. Utah State, it's just been gut punch after gut punch. I guess they still technically could add one more game. We'll have to see. That's a big point of contention amongst, you know, CSU fans online right now. Obviously, they're just not super stoked with the athletic administration as a whole. And and I think some of it probably unwarranted, but I think a lot of the criticism is also fair. So it, it's a weird, weird time to follow CSU football. I'm going to answer some questions that people tweeted at me, and then we're going to talk hoops after that. Sound good? Okay, good. Knock on wood if you're with me. Anyways, for those that weren't familiar with the situation, just very briefly, according to the reporting done by Brett McMurphy, there was a meeting with CS, or CSU, Utah State football players, and you just kind of leadership about you know, who the head coach should be. The players voiced a lot of support for Frank Melee, the interim head coach. Allegedly, during this Zoom meeting, some concerns were raised by the Utah State administration, specifically their president, about Melee's religious background. Um, he's a member of the LDS. So just a really, really odd situation on so many levels. I mean, first of all, it, it just should not matter what somebody's religious background is you know, on, on whether they're qualified to be the the head football coach somewhere that's, you know, just flat out prejudice. But beyond that, the, just the absurdity of it. I mean, to not to not hire somebody because they're Mormon in Utah just seems like bad business. I, I, I genuinely was so, so just confused by this situation and and annoyed that it was even you know, <laughs> that it happened because it's just like, how dumb, how how dumb could they possibly be to do something like this, especially in 2020? But obviously, you know, the game, the game not happening, the Utah State players decided to, you know, opt out of the game and, and protest and, and, you know, they're doing it to support their guy. Of course, this is all, you know, based on the reporting of Brett McMurphy. So that that's where we're at right now. That's kind of the main gist. CSU fans did not exactly 
They didn't take it very well. And and I understand on some levels, you know, I really understand the frustration because it's it's just been a heartbreaking season on so many levels. And CSU's lost just so many games for reasons that were completely out of their control. And that's what totally sucks. I mean, the Rams were responsible, directly responsible for the cancellation of one game, Air Force, and, and really they actually had the numbers to play. So that sucks even more. But, you know, that's kind of where we're at with this Utah State situation. I understand the fans are frustrated. A lot of that is is very clear based on the things that were sent to me. So I'm just going to kind of respond to those as we, you know, get through this. And then we'll get into some men's and women's basketball talk. All right. So the first question comes from at 303-970-Colorado. What's a more virtuous course of action? One, quit because of an alleged slight in an anonymous vote. Or two, rally behind your interim coach, have him lead you on the field and win big on his behalf, sending a clear message your effort and passion was for him. You know, that's it's just one of those situations where you kind of got to say to each his own, yes, that 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 is one way that the Utah State players could have rallied behind their head coach. I guess my response would be, if they feel that what the athletic administration did was so wrong, it kind of seems like they don't even want to represent the university. It, it is kind of the impression that I get. So I guess that's the difference. Um, but I mean, you know, that that would that would have been one way they could have gone about it for sure. Uh, next question comes from at K G K Ginley. I'm Ginley. I'm not sure. K Ginley sixty. So did Warren Jackson make the right decision? Then didn't have to deal with all this schedule anxiety. Great question. Really, really great question. It's such a deep wide receiver class that I genuinely believe Warren Jackson would have benefited from coming back and putting more film on tape. Now, to me, it's extremely clear that he's an NFL wide receiver and and you obviously always risk injury whenever you come back in that scenario. So I, I don't blame him for sitting out, but just given how deep this wide receiver class is, you know, I think there's probably going to be 20 plus wide receivers that could potentially go before him, you know, 15 to 20 at least. That's not a slight on him. That's just kind of how deep this receiver class is. We'll kind of have to see. Ultimately, though, given how wonky this whole thing was and online school and the the, the investigation in August and, and all of that, I got to imagine that Warren's pretty content with his decision overall. Could he have benefited? Yes, but, it, you know, obviously could have got hurt and then he would have had to deal with all of this headache. So probably made the right decision. We'll kind of have to see as long as he ends up on an NFL camp somewhere, he's going to impress. I'm not worried about that. Next question coming from my friend, Arik. Okay. First of all, what the fuck? Second of all, what the hell? Thirdly, what seniors do you expect to stay for next season to get more tape for the NFL, et cetera? Another great question. You know, I, I, I fully expect the McBrides to go pro or, you know, move on, at least Trey will go pro for sure. Toby might get some looks. We'll have to see based on his injury history. Talent's not an issue for him. It's always just going to be staying healthy. Ultimately, I think Manny Jones probably goes pro. I think maybe we could see Scott Patchen come back. That'll be interesting because he's had a really productive season. So it's one of those, you know, can he do that again? Do you really want to bank on that? But he seems to have a really, really tight relationship with Antoine Smith, with Steve Adazio. I mean, Steve Adazio coached his older brother, so it's just one of those situations where the relationship could pay off. That would definitely benefit the Rams. Some of the people, you know, I think Barry Wesley will probably come back. Some of those offensive linemen, potentially. 
you know, maybe take advantage. I could maybe maybe see a guy like, you know, Ellison Hubbard come back. It'll be really, really intriguing because um, there'll probably be some roster turnover, turnover as well. You know, some seniors might decide to come back, but some other guys, uh, particularly, you know, at the skill positions could decide to transfer out. So uh, I'll be really, really interested to see what this roster looks like come March. Next question from my guy, Josh Fredland, Friedland or Fredland? I'm, I'm going to guess Friedland of the Mountain West Connection. Can we get Kansas on the phone? God, that would be awesome. Supposedly, Parker has a great relationship. You know, I'd, I'd like to see that KU game come together. We'll have to see. <laughs> from Brian Bell, can I just send a gif of my frustration? It's gif, not jif. I don't care what anyone says. He just sends me Will Ferrell and, and Anchorman. What is this? Amateur hour? <laughs> Perfect. Love it. From Kyle Griffin, that's a forfeit, right? Okay, this, this has been a big discussion point amongst the Ram Nation over the last couple of days, whether or not it should go down as a forfeit. Now, if we're really getting down to brass tacks, I guess technically speaking, probably should go down as a forfeit given that Utah State was healthy and they could have played. It wasn't COVID-related. They're choosing to sit out. However, the optics of that get very, very complicated, especially given, you know, in my opinion, the Utah State players had a legitimate reason to protest this game you know, religious discrimination, prejudice. I don't know if the Mountain West wants to, you know, mess with those optics, you know, players speak out against religious intolerance and the league, you know, brings the hammer on them. The tough part about this, and, and I really get it, is CSU is basically, they're, they're an innocent bystander in this. They're a victim of circumstance. And sometimes that happens. It really does. And it sucks. You know, it sucks. I understand the frustration. We wanted to see this team play. I get it. Nobody wanted a game more than me. I only got to go to one game this whole year. But ultimately, I really don't care if it's classified as a forfeit. It doesn't matter. Are CSU fans going to brag about it like it's a victory over Utah State? You know, or, yay, it's a two-win season instead of a one-win season. It doesn't get you any closer to a bowl game. It doesn't get the game back. It doesn't make anybody feel better. Yes, technically, technically speaking, probably should go down as a forfeit. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, who cares? It doesn't make anyone feel any better. If anything, what CSU fans should want is Utah State should maybe lose a game against CSU at home in the future. They should have to come to Fort Collins the next two times. That seems fair to me since CSU, you know, they didn't do anything. They're not going to be jerks about this or press it publicly. You throw them a bone by giving them an extra home game since they got screwed out of one this year. To me, that makes the most sense. You're not, you know, punishing the roster of the Utah State players for, you know, speaking up for their coach. But you're you're at least compensating CSU in some way down the line since they did get screwed in this situation. And that's just the truth. But in my opinion, you know, it was a reason worth voicing. It was a reason worth voicing their opinion from the Utah State roster. And I would hope and if something like that were to happen at CSU and CSU student-athletes were to speak up and be like, hey, this is wrong, I would hope that CSU fans would support them. I really do. All right, last question comes from at Jules and Foco. When do you think Joe Parker will resign or be fired? I don't think the fan base can stand any more ineptitude from the leadership. Jack Graham would have had us playing 10-plus games this year. Layered question. Um... Look, guys, I, I understand the frustration, and, and I've been open that I think a lot of the criticism of the athletic administration and Joe Parker in particular is very valid. 
Do I think it's totally fair to blame this entire frustrating season on him? No, not at all, especially with how weird you know some of these games were and how they were canceled, the process in which they were canceled, the lack of time in which they were canceled. Would I have loved to have seen USU play another game or two, you know, be a little bit more aggressive with the scheduling approach? Absolutely. Absolutely. More games would have been awesome. I know the team would have loved it. The coaches would have loved it. But at the end of the day, it's just, it's easier said than done. Scheduling isn't, it's not just a situation where it's, hey, do you want to play? Let's play. It costs money to make all of this happen. Money that CSU isn't making this year. So even, you know, to whether you want to host a game or go on the road, it's going to cost money. You know, TV contracts come into play. Who hosts, who doesn't? All of this stuff. Where are you going to stay? Is it going to be safe? You know, are you going to charter? Are you going to drive? All of that has to go into consideration. And you have to be able to put all of this together in a really short time span. And remember, what makes this situation even more unique for CSU, at least, is, you know, they're pushing forward, trying to compete in athletics throughout all of this just a couple of months after a multi-million dollar and multi-month lawsuit about, you know, the way that CSU handled COVID or not a lawsuit, but an investigation. So I just, I just, I think that CSU fans tend to, you know, just inflate reality a little bit and, and they don't really understand the position that CSU is in as, as a university, as an athletic department. You know, this they, they just don't have the resources that some of these other bigger programs have, especially right now when they're not taking in any revenue off the sports where they normally do make a little bit of money. You know, I'm I'm not an expert on, on the athletic budget, so maybe this is me speaking a little bit ignorantly here. But let's say CSU, you know, blew through all of their budget. They, you know, just spend all their money trying to add all these other games. How are you going to pay for the other athletic program programs? Volleyball, cross country, tennis, softball, all of these things. The money you make off of football and men's basketball is normally what, you know, kind of allows all these programs. And we don't want to see any programs cut at CSU. You know, I'm not, I'm not telling you you have to stand Joe Parker or anything like that. There, there's a lot that's happened in particular. I think some of the other stuff regarding, you know, his lack of action with, you know, the way some of these athletes have been treated, I think that's a bigger issue than the lack of scheduling, if we're being honest. But I guess my point is, I get why people are frustrated. I just think they're throwing some things on his plate that aren't his fault. That's my two cents. Take it or leave it. All right, I'm going to transition and talk about Colorado State men's basketball. They open the season against CSU Pueblo on Saturday afternoon. Before we talk hoops, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is wishing you the happiest of holidays. To kick off the season of giving, DraftKings has new promotions and odds boosts every day this week. Luckily for us sports fans, there's an abundance of action taking place this week. Football teams are in the hunt to secure their playoffs. College basketball season is just underway. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players the chance to earn a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000 when signing up using the promo code DNVR. DraftKings Sportsbook has endless ways for you to bet from live betting, betting on your favorite players. They do it all. To celebrate this weekend's UFC 256, DraftKings is giving all MMA fans who sign up the chance to triple their winnings when placing any bet on UFC 256. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to get your sign-up bonus of up to 
$1,000. That code DNVR to get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We're talking a little bit of hoops today. Well, actually, on this podcast, there's going to be a little bit of everything. But this portion is hoops. I'm talking hoops with Ethan Bird of CTV, also a DNVR Sports intern, super intern. Ethan, what's up, my guy? Nothing much. Uh, I mean, in pretty good mood. Finally got to cover a game yesterday, so feels pretty good, yeah? Some good old Always basketball. Always feels good to cover a game. It's it's. Hasn't happened that frequently in 2020, but it is what it is. No. Kind of a weird game, though. You know, CSU, uh, they were hosting CSU Pueblo. CSU Pueblo, obviously, Division Two opponent. Whenever that happens, it's kind of weird scheduling-wise because the game, it counts against CSU's record, but it doesn't count against Pueblo. And I've never really understood why that is, but I guess it's a, a way to incentivize D2 teams playing D1. It doesn't count against their record. They're kind of doing them a favor there. Uh, one of the things that jumped out to CSU fans, obviously, though, is Pueblo actually took a lead into halftime in this game. Ram fans kind of nervous. I mean, they kept it tight throughout. You know, what kind of jumped out to you about this game? Well, that first half, I mean, honestly, it was, it, it was pretty sloppy basketball on Colorado, uh, on CSU for Collins' side. I don't know how we're going to differentiate between... We'll just say CSU. Uh, we'll just say well, Rams, Pueblo Rams. is Pueblo, and CSU yeah. is CSU. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really sloppy basketball. I think we saw three or four travels alone in the first in the first half. But I think that's also just you've got a really young team playing their first game of the season, and uh, I think you said it yesterday during halftime when I came and I was like, "Yeah, what's going on?" <laughs> you know, uh, it's just no team plays their best in the first game, but uh, they came out and. They 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 outscored Pueblo forty nine thirty five in the second half, which is something that you want to see. I think uh, I think Medved was a little uh, he wasn't too happy during that halftime meeting. Uh, I think I think he whipped them into shape because as soon as they came out, Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy went on a bit of a hot streak, which was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they came out in that second half immediately, responded with a five zero run to regain the lead. From there, they they never gave it up. Uh, one thing that fans also have to have to remember, you know, it, it was kind of ugly in this game. Yes, uh, way too many turnovers. They they were not strong on the glass. They had some issues defending the paint. Uh, the ball movement was not strong enough. But you know, this this was CSU's first game of the year. One. On top of that, they didn't even practice until December eighth. So from November seventeenth to December eighth, you know, they didn't get any team drills. There was some individual stuff going on. But there's just no, you can't replicate a game scenario, especially when you're not even running fives as a team. So it's just not that surprising that CSU came out a little sluggish. This is exactly why you schedule a team like CSU Pueblo right off the bat. You know, if they opened up against a team like UNC Greeley, they probably would have lost. Just being realistic, that's an experienced Mm -hmm. team. They have a couple of games under their belt. I'm glad that they were able to get this kind of tune-up game in and just give themselves a chance to get back in that basketball flow. And now you've got Northern Arizona coming up on Monday, and we we're going to focus on that more uh, on Monday, actually. But it, it, I like that it's an opportunity to just kind of keep playing and potentially build off that momentum of the second half. 
Yeah, and uh, one thing that will definitely have to be fixed is throughout the whole game, Pueblo had more second-chance points than CSU did. They had 15, and a big part of that was the uh, offensive rebounding. And uh, there was our offensive rebounding for Pueblo, and see, uh, the Rams did – they. it was not they a struggled, great offensive yeah. – they had seven offensive rebounds. Uh, Pueblo had 11. I mean, overall – uh, the Rams out-rebounded Pueblo, but that's kind of where you see the absence of Nico Carvacho and the veteran leadership and really rebounding prowess of Nico Carvacho. Deshaun Thomas, James Moores, and um, David Roddy, I mean, they're all very effective rebounders. It's just they, they don't really have the experience to really read the ball as well as Nico Carvacho did, but that, that, that'll that take time. It's just if you're going to play a D1 opponent, you can't you can't allow that many second chance points and 11 offensive rebounds to say the least. So that's really probably what coach Madved is going to focus on in the practices leading up to Northern Arizona as, as few as they have, but uh, that's, what's going to have to be short up. I'm glad that you brought that up. A couple of things that you brought up, actually, you know, I kind of knew that rebounding would be somewhat of an issue for this team coming in, at least in the early stages. Like you said, you know, Nico Carvacho, historically one of the great rebounders in the history of college basketball. Without him, you know, it's going to just take a, a collective team effort, especially given that, you know, CSU doesn't necessarily have the greatest length in the world. They're a little bit undersized as a roster. Ultimately, I'm not super worried about it in the long run, but it has to get better. And if it does, I, I really think this team can be dangerous for a couple of reasons. One, you know, I, I just mentioned that they're undersized, but I really like the athleticism that this roster has. And when they get out in transition, they're going to be really, really hard to stop, especially because Isaiah Stevens is just so smooth with the basketball. Great decision maker, great facilitator, obviously a great scorer as well. So it's really just going to open up things for CSU. We saw that in the game yesterday. I mean, they, they turned 12 Pueblo turnovers into 19 points. Most of those coming on transition opportunities. You can get a lot more transition opportunities if you just box out and you just rebound mm-hmm. until you do that, you know, it, the best defense is, is a good offense. And I know that's a little bit of a cliche, but it's true. They got to get that rebounding in. Great point by Ethan. Let's talk about David Roddy a little bit because this was, I mean, this game was really all about him. He absolutely took over. What, what was it like? You had a different view from me. You know, it, I, I really just kind of enjoyed watching him dominate in the post. Well, I mean, there, you're you're gonna have a hard time finding anybody on the court stronger than David Roddy. I mean, the dude is. I mean, the dude's already. I mean, that's a grown man. <laughs> when you watch him play ball, that's a grown man. I mean, he doesn't give up. I mean, when when David Roddy is in the paint, he's even if somebody's taller than him, bigger than him, he's going to score. He's going to try his hardest to score, and that's kind of the mentality that I think he takes into every opportunity. And I mean, he had his. Uh, First game of the season, 25-point double-double, 25 points and 12 rebounds, which is something you absolutely want to see out of your guard-forward hybrid. I mean, nobody really knows what he's... kind of positionless at this point. Yeah, I mean, but he that's because he can score from anywhere. I mean, his perimeter shooting and free-throw shooting were not quite ideal yesterday, but when you put up 25 points and 12 boards, uh, anybody's going to be happy about that. He's just tenacious. Here's what I really liked about him. There, there was a moment in that first half where it kind of seemed like CSU was, they were unwinding a little bit. They, they, 
They pressed it. There was a sequence where they turned it over about three times in five possessions. Pueblo capitalized on all of them. From that moment, we saw Roddy put the ball on the floor and just go to the rim, like three back-to-back-to-back possessions. Two of them ended up in buckets. One of the times he ended up at the line. I mean, they, they really couldn't stop him. If they wanted to, they could have just let him do that all game and literally just let him go for 50. That's mm-hmm. not what you're going to do in a game like this because you know, you're trying to develop the rest of your team. You're trying to get that offensive flow going. But I just love that he had that killer instinct. Like, this isn't going well. I'm better than them. I'm just going to put the ball on the floor and you know, keep us in the game. And that just kind of lo- allowed the Rams to, to ride the wave a little bit. They figured it out. And then, like we said, they came out in that second half. They were on fire, and they never looked back. Sure, it wasn't perfect. Pueblo, they hung around. But in the end, you know, CSU, they held them without a field goal over the last three minutes. They closed it out when they needed to get it done. And a win's a win. I mean, it's been weird. Never apologize for a win. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. David Roddy, is a, he's the heaviest dude on the team. He's 6'5", 252, but he doesn't look 252. And he doesn't move like it. No, which is why I'm surprised. I mean, dude's got, I mean, he's got bunnies. I mean, there was a, he had that, that dunk in the first half that I think really helped to keep at least a little bit of momentum for CSU. I mean, that was, that was when they were kind of, like you said, unraveling a bit, but I mean, he's probably, he and Isaiah Stevens, he's probably going to be the most exciting guy to watch every single week because he's just, I mean, there's so much heart and hustle in that guy. Well, he's got, he plays like a football player yeah, in a sense yeah, that it's just, he's out there trying to kill people in the best way possible. I mean, it's smart, yeah. it's intelligent. It's not like he plays recklessly or anything like that, but he's going for some bodies there. <laughs> there was one point he actually missed a dunk where he, he straight just went for the kill. And we were all laughing yeah. on, on press row because he probably could have just laid it up and made it, but he's, you know, you could just see it in his face. You could see with the way he went up. He's trying to end a soul there. And I'm absolutely yeah. for it. That's the type of energy that you need, especially with this team, because they're going to be capable of making a run. It's, it's really going to be interesting. Uh, speaking of another guy that got a dunk, though, we actually got an Adam Thistlewood dunk in this game. <laughs> yep. AT out rocking the leg sleeve, a little bit of drip on his name. I'm about yes, it. I, I, I liked what we saw from Thistlewood. He, he did miss a couple of threes at the end. It looked like you know fatigue kind of played a factor didn't have the legs, but especially early started three of five from behind the arc, hit a couple of threes in the corner, man, if he's hitting those, they're just going to be so dangerous because the way that, like we said, Isaiah and David, they can get to the hoop. It just gives you options to, you know, kick that ball back out. You got that lethal shooter out there with the leg sleeve at I'm about it. Wait, he's a, he's a threat from anywhere. Really? I mean, he kind of has a bit of a hard time straight up posting up, but if he can get, some room in the post he's he's a he's a threat because he moves better than most than just about any big on the court but he can also i mean if you if you catch adam thistlewood in the corner you can almost count it every time especially if he's hot if, but uh one thing that i remember most about adam thistlewood from last year is if he's cold he's cold like he's he's cold like i was at that uh he can be kind of streaky at times that san yeah. diego state game especially you know he, he yep, missed a couple of threes that would have been big in that second half but you know that, but, that's I mean, just how it goes for shooters sometimes that that's part of his development though i think is what we're yet to see this year i think is probably what he's worked on the most is staying consistent and we saw a good amount of consistency yesterday but one guy 
I kind of want to. I know we only had five points yesterday, but I'm really ex- excited to watch Isaiah Rivera develop totally. throughout this year. I mean, the dude was a walking bucket in high school, and we saw we saw like some 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 bits of brilliance yesterday from Isaiah. I mean, his first two points as a as a Colorado State Ram was a reverse con- double contested layup that was. I mean, it was just fun to watch. It was probably my favorite bucket of the night. Yeah, he's just a guy that really understands what's happening on the court. You know, you, you mentioned that layup, really nice take to the hoop, put the ball on the floor, nice drive, nice adjustment in the air, fighting through contact to finish. That's not a play that you can see many freshmen make. He's a guard with good size, which is going to help him. Uh, but what really stood out to me about Isaiah Rivera more than that was actually the intelligence that he displayed defensively. There were a couple of series where I just watched him flawlessly execute switches on multiple you know, series going from the guard to the forward. He did get worked a little bit in the paint and actually allowed a couple of offensive rebounds. So that's an area where he's just going to have to get stronger, get used to going up against bigger, stronger dudes. It happens, but the the potential is really there, you know, for guys like him and, and John Tanjay, Deshaun Thomas, James Morris. I mean, there's a lot of really young talent on this roster and, and it's good that they're getting these valuable minutes. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the best John Tanjay game in the world. There was actually one sequence where he turned the basketball over and allowed an offensive rebound that didn't contest and it was an easy two-point bucket. This was in the first half and you actually just saw just the frustration in Medved's face. He exploded, called a timeout, immediately took him out of the game. But you know, those are the moments that they're going to learn from it and that's why you play yeah. these games like we you know, always said. The last thing I kind of want to mention in this game, we saw some chippiness out of Kendall Moore he, he was kind of going at it with that guard from Pueblo a little bit. Yep. And I like it because he's not the biggest dude in the world, but I want some fire out of the veteran. Well, I mean, the crazy part is he's a junior and he's, he's the most veteran guy on this team. This is probably, uh, I don't know the stats, but it could very well be one of the youngest teams that CSU has had, one of the youngest basketball teams CSU has had. Because there's not a single senior and there's only two juniors or three juniors, if you count, yeah, P.J. Bird. But, I mean, Kendall is probably the most veteran leader on this team. He and Adam. Him and Adam, yeah. Yeah, but he, I mean, every time you watch Kendall Moore play basketball, you kind of get inspired. Because more often than not, he's the smallest guy on the court. But he plays like the biggest. You know what I mean? Like, he, there's not a single time you see Kendall Moore get, get down on really himself or anything about the game he's always go 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 and probably he's always just playing a bulldog the man yeah he is relentless effort and, great defender him and uh him and mckenna Hofshield on the csu women's team she's you know very similar player really intelligent always going to be the smallest player on the court but you know she's going to come at you she's going to throw a punch she's not going to wait for you to throw the first punch she's throwing the first punch i love that about kendall i love that you know they're going to need him and adam to be those veterans. They don't have Nico anymore. We've talked about that a lot. They're the most experienced guys. They've experienced the heartache of getting eliminated in the first round of the Mountain West tournament and back-to-back seasons. They know what it's like to, you know, lose to Wyoming. They know what it's like to lose against a CU. These are the guys that kind of got to lead the way for those younger guys pushing forward. I'm telling you, the top of the Mountain West, it has not been as good as I expected coming in. Teams like UNLV, Nevada, you know, I... I don't think they're that deep. CSU, you get oh, yeah, I mean, UNLV is vulnerable. And when 
in my opinion. The only problem with what we're going to really have to see, like the biggest test for CSU is going to be when they play a truly big roster because they're not a big team. You've only got James Morris. And I mean, that guy, James Morris, I'm, I mean, he's 6'11", but he's only 239 pounds. Like there's not a whole lot of meat on the guy. They're going to have to play some really intelligent small ball if they're going to play, if they're going to beat bigger teams. You know, I think they'll get creative in some of those matchups, especially when you go up against a team like San Diego State that has great length. I think, you know, we'll probably see CSU to try to mix in some 2-3 zone, you know, switch back and forth so it's not all just man-on-man, people getting dominated. Mm-hmm. You're going to see a lot of switching guards trying to, you know, kind of help back in the post. But it, it'll be interesting for sure. What the, the key in going up against those opponents for CSU, like we've talked about, it's going to be defense. You're going to have to box out because you can't let them dominate you on the offensive glass. And then it's getting back in transition. You know, I think I'm starting to sound like a broken record here. That's the strength of this team. They're athletic. Yep. They can get to the rim. They're surrounded by shooters now. Just got to mm-hmm. get, you know, do what you can on defense, win the battle on the glass, and it's going to lead to good offense. The talent's there. Ethan, I'm really excited. I know you are too. Before oh, yeah. we go, just kind of briefly, I wanted to pick your brain a little bit. You know, what's the, what's the vibe on campus been like just with everything that's happened on football? You know, are your friends talking about it? Or do people even notice? Or it's been so long <laughs> since they played a game. Well, I guess they played San Diego State, but yeah, I, I doubt uh, the students were really watching that one. I mean, to be completely honest, there isn't even a vibe. We haven't been on campus since. I mean, some people haven't even stepped foot on campus once, just depending on how your schedule worked out. But I haven't been on campus since November. 20th because you know we had thanksgiving break and then all classes are online after thanksgiving so as far as i think you know just this football season was i want to call it a wash but it didn't really exist it's like it was like one of those things where it's like it's there but is it really like is it like (laughs) yeah we played we we played games but where was everything else? It's just, I feel so bad for, especially our seniors on the football team, like the amount of opportunities that they had, but were taken away from them within like 48 hours of game time. was just, it, it, it was heartbreaking. You know, I think, I think really if you could choose a vibe, it's just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Definitely a weird year. Frustrating year. Interesting yeah. year, but. The bronze boot is back in Fort Collins, and I guess if anything that's else, <laughs> that's really all that matters. But yeah, it it sucks for the seniors. It sucks for the fans who didn't get an opportunity to watch those seniors again, and and not just seniors. You know, a guy like Trey McBride, who, you know, yeah. if I had to bet, we've seen him play his last game in a Rams uniform. What else is he going to do by coming back? You know, he's an NFL player, and I can't blame the guy if he wants to go get paid. You only have so many snaps on a football field especially at a you know physical position like tight end, especially the physical brand of football that Trey likes to play. Go get, you know, go get your money. It's going to be, it's going to suck, but we'll all support him, man. Thanks for coming on. We're going to have you, you know, on throughout the season. We're going to talk more hoops. Make sure that you're following Ethan on Twitter. Ethan, what's your handle? It's at Ethan underscore bird underscore. I've gotten a lot of love from uh, the DMVR Rams family over the past 24 hours. Pretty cool. Uh, you know, I just doing my thing. So 
I hope, uh, you know, it's not a sport, so I'm t- tweeting dumb stuff at two in the morning. So, yeah, if that's, that's what Twitter's say, for, man. And follow me. Yeah. Awesome, <laughs> man. Well, Ethan on, is the super intern. Make sure you support student media. Make sure you support what he's doing. He's going to do some stuff for us as well. It's tough right now because we can't get as much unique access as we would hope for. Yeah. Ethan's a video guru, but it's all right. We're going to get creative. We'll push through. Ethan, I'm sure I'll talk to you before then, but in case I don't, happy holidays, my man. Like that.